how could I raise him? How could I tell him that everything that had happened to her is because of me? No, that's not true. And it ends Gilead talking, you know that's not true. No, he is never gonna forgive me. He's never gonna forgive me. All these years he has waited for you. And he has never given up on you. You need to have a little faith now, too. I know him. I know him. I know what he can take. How about you find out? Hi, this is Gina, and welcome back to Resisting Gilead. This week, we're going to be talking about Season 4, Episode 6, Vows. And unfortunately, it's just me this week, so um, sorry about that. Um, I try to have a guest for all of these, but sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. However, I think this will be a pretty straightforward, short and sweet podcast, considering it was a very straightforward short because I think it was only 45 minutes um, and not so sweet episode. Um, It's actually a pretty emotional episode for a lot of reasons. So, and and really it only focused on three, three characters, three of our main characters, June, Moira, and Luke. And honestly, this is the first time we've really got to see them do scenes together in a long time. I think the last scene that, you know, June and Moira did together was back at Jezebel's in season one that we saw, at least in this current time, you know, flashbacks not really counting. And then this is the first time we've ever seen a scene, sorry, seen a scene between Luke and June in this time frame. Um, which kind of is kind of mind blowing, right? Considering, I mean, wow. So we'll just kind of dive into things, but you know, um, let's tackle June and Moira first. I mean, this is just kind of, this was just such a beautiful reunion in so many ways. I just, you know, it's kind of crazy at first because June is so out of it after this bombing and is clearly concussed and just wants to find Janine. I mean, she's, she's out of it, but she's not out of it to know that enough to know that, you know, Janine was with her when that bomb went off and, and that she really wants to find her. Um, But it's, you know, there's just so much that happens between these two women in such a short period of time. And, you know, June is, flat out in denial that she is seeing Moira, you know, she's, it's not computing like, no, Moira got out. There's no way Moira could be here. You're not her. Um, which is, I think almost like the right reaction to have. Right. And it's, um, I mean, it's not often the show makes me cry. I think this year already has been an exception. Um, you know, uh, episode three was, was really rough, the ending of it, but you know what? 
I, I cried like right at the beginning of Handmaid's Tale this episode, which is definitely usually not the way it goes. Usually there's some kind of buildup, but this reunion was great. And then they're finally on this truck together. Moira convinces her to like go with her. And we have this amazing scene that I love. I'm gonna take you somewhere you can get some help, okay? And you're gonna be okay. Okay? Moira? Hi. Hi. So, I mean, if that doesn't quite get you, I don't know what will. And honestly, one of the reasons I loved it so much is, you know, last week, Tim and I talked about how when Moira sees June, she has this childlike expression on her face that is just so heartwarming. And then if this time we, we see it with June looking up at Moira while Moira's holding her in her arms and, you know, kind of finally recognizing who she is, where she's at. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's just great. And unfortunately, the key issue, it's always been the issue is with when it comes to June being able to get out of Gilead, except the one time she was you know, pregnant with the coal, she, she'd finally decided she could leave Hannah behind. But um, she, you know, she, she can't leave without Hannah. It's a big deal to her. And I think we all understand why at a certain level, but you know, at the same time, you know, and I think this is what Moira thinks. It's like, girl, this, this might be your last shot, like literally your last shot at getting out of here. So it's, you know, it's, it's a big struggle. Um, it's a big struggle for Moira to just even convince her to get on the boat. And I think she, you know, convinces her, she convinces June and, um, that conversation goes a little something like this. They're gonna kill you. They're gonna hunt you down and they're gonna kill you. And they'll kill you in front of her. You wanna help her? You leave her the hell behind and you come with me. You wanna fight them? You fight them from Canada. We will help you. The Canadians will help you. The American government, whatever's fucking left of it, is in Canada and will help you. I'll be there. Luke, Emily, Rita, everyone who loves you is there. Nicole. Nicole is there. So 
she gets June on the boat and, you know, <laughs> sorry, Axel, um, Tim and I also talked about this last week, but Moira's new girlfriend, Una, so she's just a vehicle to basically get June out of Gilead and reunite Moira with June. And, you know, it becomes kind of increasingly clear in this episode. And, you know, uh, it's not often that they enter that any show introduces a new character that just kind of right off the bat rubs me the wrong way. And I don't know what it was about this character, but even when she was introduced as, as Moira's girlfriend, I don't know. I mean, and this is going to sound totally ridiculous and judgy, but too tall, too much of a snobby accent. She just kind of has a snooty air about her as well. I don't know. Like, yeah, she's trying to help people, but I think she thinks she's a lot better for trying to help people. It's just kind of that, that weird, I don't know. There's just always something off to me about her. And maybe it's just because I was a real fan of the Moira Odette pairing. And I thought that was a couple that really worked, even though we saw them in limited fashion. We know that they were serious enough to get married, but I don't know. There's just something about um, this woman, Una, that that kind of rubbed me the wrong way from the beginning. I was like, okay, this is who they're picking for her. And maybe that was intentional because clearly she's not going to be sticking around for that long because when Moira finds out that Gilead's going to come, come aboard the boat and search it, she's like, oh, crap. I have June on board. I guess I better tell my girlfriend, you know, this woman Una's pissed. And I get it, right? She's trying to do this, you know, humanitarian aid, you know, work. She's she's trying to help people that are still left in Gilead. She would like to get all of them out. But she's also of this kind of mindset like, oh, one person isn't more important than all the rest, which at a certain level is true. However, the person that's in, that is in consideration here is June. And, you know, not only is she Moira's best friend, she did get 95 people out of Gilead on that flight. Um, and it's all about making hard decisions, right? I think even when you're on the side that is that is trying to help and you wanna get people out of there, it's easy to say we can't do it that way because we won't ever get to come back and help people. It's perfectly fine. However, some people do have potentially more value depending on the position and the situations that they've had in this country. And, you know, as annoying as June can be sometimes in her you know, in her own, actually, it's a very interesting comparison between she and Una. She is literally trying to wipe out as many people in Gilead that she can and get as many people out. And, and, and Una, you know, has, a, has, I think, probably just as strong a desire to help, but does a very by the book way. And I think that, you know, kind of going by the book and playing against all the rules between these two women is kind of the, this whole point, right? It's like, you don't really know what you have to do until you are in dire straits and desperate measures. And I just don't think this woman, Una, has ever been there. She definitely hasn't gone through what Moira has. 
she definitely has not gone through what June has. And, you know, it's very different. And the result of June's experiences, she was able to get 95 people out of Gilead. She took out six commanders and put just as many in the hospital. And she has a really good knowledge base in terms of even knowing that there is this huge Marfa network in Gilead, knowing how it works. Um, I imagine that whatever semblance of the U.S. government is left and Canadian government has, has probably interviewed these Marthas to learn more about the network. But, you know, June wiggled her way in there without even having a lot of knowledge in some ways. And, um, you know, she knows there's Mayday, but she doesn't know who the head of it is. And clearly they didn't reveal, Mayday didn't reveal themselves to her when she was in Chicago. But there's something about June that I think really understands the way Gilead works in, in a way that probably not many people that have escaped do. And I think because she made a decision in the last episode of season three, there was that whole flashback of them at the cattle cages and they were exterminating the women that were uh, maybe not deemed medically fit enough to breed and taking them away. And, and she said, they're ruthless. And she made a decision to be ruthless. And I think we have seen that ever since. Um, ever since maybe until this episode. So it's, um, you know, it, it's just kind of interesting to make these comparisons, this woman, Una, and, you know, um, June even agrees with her. Yes, I'm, I'm no more, my life isn't more valuable than anyone else's. And which kind of gives this woman, Una, a break, but at the very last minute, she does change her mind and, you know, gives, has them print out an ID for June. Of course, all the men on these ship, the ship are like, yeah, hand her over. And I'm just like, yeah, you guys don't even know the half of it. it figures. I mean, what is it about, I'm sorry, the men in the resistance, that guy, Steven, these guys helping with humanitarian aid on the ship. I'm just kind of like, oh, you don't even know. Um, you don't even know. And, um, you know, so everything passes. June bumbles through this with help from Moira jumping in to say she's had a concussion and, and whatever. Cause she was literally, I think, ready to turn herself in again. She's that like dog with a bone, got to get my kid back, got to get Hannah, got to get her. And um, she's so stubborn. She tries to start. I was just like, oh honey, you've just got to stop. Uh, she tries to start untying a lifeboat from the larger ship they're on like she's gonna get in and I mean all I can whatever came to me was like the life of Pi when you know he's on the boat um in whatever semblance was it a man was it a tiger was it this was it that but I'm just like oh she's gonna life of life of Pi it like back to Gilead which just seemed so wrong on so many levels and you know I think this is, you know, the be very beginning of the season, even before the season started, I, I talked about this show being all about trauma response, the response to trauma, PTSD, fear. It's like, this is, you know, this is kind of everything spilling out by her trying to get back on 
that lifeboat to go back to Gilead to get her kid, which she never would because they definitely would kill her right away. Like, I mean, if they haven't learned that lesson by now, um, you know, they're, they're stupid. Um, they're stupid, but, um, it's interesting because finally Moira's like, Hey, if you really want to go back, I'll let you go. But you've got to tell me, you've got to tell me what's going on. And so June finally does. She didn't recognize me. She didn't know who I was. She was scared of me. Oh, God. Everything that has happened to her is because of me. No. No, that is not true. How could I go back without her? How could I show up without her? No one expects you to have her. They're waiting for a person, not a superhero. Even if you did get all those kids out. But not her. Not my Hannah. I didn't have her. I tried. I really did. I did everything I could. It wasn't enough. I was supposed to save her. Because I'm her mommy. I'm her mother. It is my job to protect her. And I fear. And so, June, for all the success she's had in terms of surviving the Waterfords, surviving a torture prison, surviving Gilead, the heart of her fear, everything is that she's failed Hannah and that she's failed Luke as well. And, and that's something really interesting, I think, because, you know, there was something about all these flashbacks with Luke that that did really bother me. You know, some of them, like, I didn't really think we needed to see those scenes between June and Moira. And it was kind of weird unless they're setting us up to figure out that Luke is someone completely different than the character we've gotten to know over the past three and a half years. I mean, or three and a half seasons. I mean, I know that we all know he cheated on his wife to be with June and that's not great. But I think what was so kind of a stunning reveal in this is that Moira really felt like he, one of the reasons he was leaving his wife is because she couldn't have kids. And, you know, it was kind of like everyone thought this marriage was a really bad idea. June's mother, we know that from an earlier, you know, earlier season. She was just kind of like, you know, come on, June, you're, you've got more potential than just to be a housewife to this guy and a book editor. And, you know, Moira was really just kind of painting him out to be like a total dick. And yeah, it's sticky to cheat on your wife. Um, that's kind of one thing, but to kind of make the accusation that, you know, 
kind of his whole reason for June is like, oh, maybe this one will be able to give me kids. It, it just seems so out of place for everything we've known to date, unless they're going to decide to really paint Luke in a different light. And there's something about, I mean, part of it is also there's something about that statement she made to June that is clearly always stuck, right? June's the one having these flashbacks. And she's from the beginning, almost, you know, and she talks to him about this is she's worried about disappointing Luke. You know, maybe she can't have kids, she's telling him. And, and he doesn't seem to be that bothered about it. So maybe this is less about Luke being a total dick in disguise and we just don't know it yet, but it's more about June disappointing him. And I think that, I mean, women seem to be, they often seem to be afraid of disappointing people in general. You hear the term, oh, you know, people pleaser uh, a lot and the pressure to feel like you need to please everyone all the time. And I think that is something that is now slowly kind of being recognized by our society as not necessarily a healthy thing. I know that I myself, I was raised Catholic. I was always taught, you know, you need to be a upstanding young lady. You need to behave yourself you know, don't, don't disappoint us by getting bad grades, you know, um, that kind of behavior is really disappointing. I think a lot of women have really had it drilled into themselves from the time they're very small to not disappoint people. And honestly, I think that type of conditioning, I won't call it brainwashing, but it, it is definitely conditioning by society. And you know, I think a lot of this really came into play in the 50s with like being that perfect housewife and everything else after, you know, World War II was over. It's like, get back to, you know, keeping house, breeding and, and cooking for your family. And um, the only thing that that kind of conditioning of conditioning young women and girls to not disappoint people, the only people that truly end up being disappointed in the end are them. They end up feeling disappointed by everyone because they're trying to not disappoint everyone, but they get nothing back in return or very little. Like it's not, it's, it's, ooh, it's just not a child rearing philosophy that helps women develop into women that are capable capable of standing on their own, capable of making, you know, hard decisions for themselves and their family, and capable of pushing back against abusive behavior, quite honestly. So I, I do think, you know, perhaps this is, I really hope, because I like Luke as a character, less about, you know, Luke being a jerk, you know, in the long term, and more about her kind of growing up with that feeling of potentially disappointing people. You know, she she talked about not, you know, not wanting to disappoint Luke, but, you know, she did disappoint her mother, but her mother wasn't telling her to be a good young lady. Her mother wanted her to be like a ass kicker, right? A badass. Um, you know, they talked about her being on the Supreme Court at one point. And Hannah had, I mean, not Hannah, June had wanted that at one point. So it's it's very interesting that 
she seems more still more worried about disappointing Luke. She didn't seem, you know, afraid of disappointing Nick at any point in this or, you know, any of the commanders, you know, it's very different, but she's, she's still very afraid of disappointing Luke. And, um, you know, that's showing up without Hannah is, is the major disappointment. And, um, you know, we do, we do see that, you know, it's like the first time they see each other in more than five years. And that's kind of cute. She, she just kind of looks at herself in the mirror and not really much she can do but the first thing she says to her is I'm sorry I don't have her I'm, I'm so sorry it's just me you know she just keeps apologizing it's the over apologizing for something that is clearly not her fault and out of fear that he's going to be disappointed that she doesn't have their daughter and it almost kind of makes you feel maybe this is because now the the value of children is so high in society because it's been so difficult to bring healthy births to fruition is that the child is the person of value. Like even in Gilead, the child, at least to a point that she thought the child is what is truly valued. That's the core of society. That's what she thought up until Lawrence said, no, it's all about men in power but she's that's still so deeply ingrained in her and combined with the fact that even in the beginning she was afraid of disappointing Luke and in terms of maybe not being able to have a child I mean this is just oof this is the most vulnerable we have ever seen June in this show and there haven't been many times I think one time was when she had that breakdown after she talked to Moira and Jezebel's the last time they saw each other. I, I mean, that's one time. And maybe the other time is after Commander Waterford and Serena raped her when she was pregnant and she was on her way to see Hannah. But even then she was, she was still much stronger you know, it was more kind of right after she saw Hannah, she broke down with Nick and it was, and she was like super vulnerable. But I mean, this is June as we've never seen her before. She's, she's broken by the fact that she had to leave Hannah behind and at her failure of not getting her out. But I mean, honestly, you know, it took a miracle to get those 86 kids out of Gilead it, it you know and it's it, that's what it's going to take to get Hannah out and she, she she's not a miracle well maybe she's somewhat of a miracle worker but she can't perform all miracles and really she's just human at the end of the day and she's one person and she's one person that has a huge price on her head and I think it's good that she, Moira forced her onto that boat and <laughs> talked her out of getting on the onto that lifeboat because she needs to be in some ways deprogrammed from the whole Gilead experience so she can get her head on straight and find a way to get Hannah out of there working from the outside in. Um, I really think that's her best shot. I mean, you know, she's been abused. This is a symptom of abuse in Gilead for her too. That whole Aunt Lydia telling it's her, it's her fault. Aunt Lydia, Aunt Lydia telling her it's her fault from day one you know, that, that this is why she's why Hannah's in this situation. It's just, 
God, the, the mind fuckery in this place is just absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. Um, huh. So that, I mean, that really sums up the episode. It was, it was really just very, very, very straightforward. Um, very to the point, very short. I think this is one of the, um, one of the shorter episodes that we have had in this whole series, really. Um, I was kind of surprised it was over when it was. Cause I was like, where am I, you know, where, where are my next 15 minutes? But yeah, that is basically it in a nutshell. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a big moment when June decides to step off that boat onto Canadian land. Um, you know, you kind of see a whole lot going through her, going through her mind. Um, and I just thought the way they ended it as soon as she stepped off was perfect. Although I would have liked to hear this as we went out. I mean, that's super silly. It probably would have been too over the top cheesy, but it's still what I just kind of, I think I started singing that as soon as she stepped off. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens next in terms of June in Canada and what this whole transition looks like. We know it wasn't easy for Moira at first. We know it's been very difficult for Emily. And that was something Luke was really afraid of. Like, what if, what if June came back and didn't call me? I mean, honestly, if, if June had gotten out of there and gone into kind of, you know, central booking or check-in first without Moira having known that she was on, you know, and not having come back in the country the way she did, it's, it's, it's likely she might not have called Luke because we know she was terrified to see him because she did not have Hannah with him. Um, it was kind of another excruciating layer of this episode of this world that's been created. Um, just kind of so, so sad. Um, since it was so short, I'm going to take a little time. I've been thinking about theories a lot. Um, and of course, who did we not see this episode? We didn't see Janine. I do think she's still alive. And in some ways, this really worries me. So what if they recapture Janine Gilead? And what if she gets back into Aunt Lydia's clutches and she is brainwashed against June and they use Janine as a tool against June to fight against June, really, because you know, for the most part, I think Janine has kind of snapped out of the Gilead way. You know, she made up her mind to go with June in the end and, and leave Stephen behind. But at the same time, June, and she doesn't know this yet, but I could see this being a piece of information to really um, use against June is, you know, she doesn't know that her son Caleb died years ago. June lied to her telling her that Caleb was with a you know, a new mom that seemed really nice and living on the beach in California. I don't know. I, I think that could be definitely used against June in some way and to potentially put 
Janine and, and an adversarial place against her. Um, you know, this is the first time she's left Janine behind, um, kind of without Janine's consent, I guess, in a weird way, but it was also without June's consent, but Janine won't know that, um, it, you know, if, if she's alive and wakes up and finds out, um, you know, she'll just know that, that Moira got June out of there. And it's, I think it'd be easy to feel super bitter about that. Like, how come you didn't look for me and find me and get me out too? So I'm, I'm kind of worried about what's going to become of Janine in, in more ways than one. You know, that's my fear side. My ideal side is, you know, Mayday's going to find her and bring her in and she's going to, you know, kind of stay in Gilead protected by them. And she's going to be like maybe a main contact point for, for June working on the outside and, and they'll work together, you know, in harmony to bring down Gilead. That's, that's the ideal situation. But then ideally, I still think that there's a very small chance that June's mom could still be alive, <laughs> that she escaped the colonies into Canada, that maybe she got a fake passport, um, that those Catholics were so good at um, foraging and is somewhere already living in Canada, working in some type of, um, in some type of resistance effort. Uh, and I say that with hope still, because we are supposed to see the character of June's mom again this season. Um, and we have not seen her yet in a flashback or anything. Um, and I'm really hoping that it's some kind of bomb they just drop on us in the last episode of the season that, that um, Mama Holly is still alive and it would be freaking awesome. But, you know, a girl can dream, right? And let's see, what are some other theories? So this is a bit of a spoiler alert if you have not watched any of the trailers this season. So spoiler alert, spoiler alert. If you don't want to know my theory on this, stop listening now. If you've watched the trailers, you probably already got this question in the back of your mind. And it's because there is a scene where we see a group cheering on Fred and Serena to be released. And we see her in her full uh, Gilead regalia, the blue dress, cloak, whatever. And Fred walking arm in arm, like down steps, like they're going to be released back to Gilead. So <clears throat> I have a couple of ideas about how this might potentially happen. The first very disappointing idea is that because they take June back on the boat and because they still have Nicole that they want to strike a deal in order to help keep humanitarian aid missions up and that they end up trading Fred and Serena Joy for June and Nicole hands down that there would be no more negotiating after that. That's kind of my fear worst case scenario. Um, it doesn't necessarily jive with the book, The Testament. That's all we'll say there. Um, but I could see it happening. The other thing I could see happening because it doesn't jive with what we end up learning in the Testament's books is that um, they send Serena, Joy, and Fred back to be spies inside Gilead. 
and that basically they have to <clears throat> run some type of internal operation. And here's one of the reasons I think it could happen. Serena Joy still owes June, if you remember from making that phone call, letting her see Nicole at that point last season. Serena Joy said, what do you want from me? And she said, I want you to owe me. And I could see this being it. Serena Joy owes her. Fred would probably owe her too at this point. If they're being allowed to go back to Gilead to have their son, who, you know, is definitely the spawn of Satan and hopefully they'll name him Damien um, because that would be only be fitting. Um, you know, they, they both owe her. And if this is the way they get to have some semblance of life in a place they want, even if they have to work to take it down, I could see them trying to take that. Um, at the same time, they're both super shifty too. So I don't know how long that would succeed for. We'll see. Anyway, those are, those are some of my theorizing. Well, that's all I got. And until next week, don't let the bastards grind you down. And um, yeah, keep watching and we'll see what happens next. Thanks. <laughs>